Welcome to the Women Veterans Leadership Podcast. We help manufacturing and technology companies create women veterans in leadership programs to enhance diversity, equity, and inclusion metrics and employer brand reputations. Over the last 20 years, Rolanda has used coaching, consulting, and strategic planning to help women excel in their careers. This podcast will cover women veteran retention, leadership development, professional development, and much more. Make sure you never miss an episode by clicking the follow or subscribe button now. Now here's your host, Rolanda Sumner, the CEO and founder of Life After Service Transitional Coaching, or LASCO. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the eight questions to ask when assessing termination, demotion, or reassignment of a direct report. Why is this so important? Because there's going to be a stage in your leadership when you're going to, you might have to terminate, demote, or reassign a direct report. And what I've learned and noticed is that it's one thing, it's a no-brainer that is difficult. It's, it's not easy having to sit down and issue the bad news that someone is not performing to standard and that they need to be moved or terminated. Um, it's emotional. You grow some type of attachment, um, to a, a direct report. You want to make sure that they are well taken care of, that they can take care of their families. But at the end of the day, there is a point where you you really can't do anything with them if they're not performing. So I'm going to discuss eight questions that you definitely need to ask yourself before or while you're assessing um, whether termination, demotion, or reassignment of a direct report is necessary. And I'm going to explain why these questions are so very important. Okay. The first question is, what is the problem? If you have a clear, concise understanding of the real problem, it will help you analyze if you are addressing the correct issue or issues. So it's not enough just to say this person's not up to standard, specifically, what is the problem? Can you quantify it? Can you qualify it? Have you documented it? What is the problem? This is going to be important because you're going to need to convey that clearly to your supervisor and to the direct report. What is the problem? If you cannot precisely pinpoint what is wrong, how the problem affects performance and what it costs the stakeholders involved, you do not clearly understand the actual problem. Okay. Number two, once you figure out what the problem is, the next question is, have you done everything you need to support them? Typically, when I ask this question of a leader, the answer is yes. Typically. However, it's really important that you ask yourself. The leader generally has empathy with the direct report personally and professionally, offering an additional time to complete tasks, providing additional training, and often reducing direct reports workload. And behavior matters. Many leaders voluntarily receive coaching and mentorship to correct their actions and potentially harmful influence, hoping that the direct report would positively reciprocate and change without success. So what I, what does that mean? 
that means the, the leader will look at themselves to make sure that they are demonstrating proper behavior, to make sure they're not triggering poor behavior within a direct report so that this report can behave better. That is generally the idea when that action is taken. Would it, if I change myself, will this make a difference with the direct report? Okay. And, and generally, like I said, when I ask this question of leaders, the answer is yes. They don't realize it before I ask this question, but when they think down they're like, actually, I, I have done everything I could, like I cannot do anything else. Number three, have you shared resources necessary to help your direct report? Again, this is another opportunity where leaders do too much. For example, instead of a leader encouraging the direct report to use their employee resources benefits to work on mental health or receive skills gaps training, the leader enrolls with the direct report. I have heard this, that leaders will enroll with the direct report to help them with skills gap, to keep them motivated. That is the wrong move. You offer them the resource and then you let them choose action, choose whether they're going to take action or not. Some leaders had chosen to provide high-level training to a direct report when formal training from a third party or internal university was more appropriate. So sometimes you training that direct report isn't appropriate. Sometimes you need to offer them another formal way of getting training. When it's not appropriate, it's not always appropriate because you have tons to do. Like if you're a hiring or firing official, you don't have enough time to like really sit down and retrain somebody on something over and over again. Okay. And then two, there often are resources available within the organization or even outside of the organization that the direct report can take advantage of to close their own skill gaps. And then Again, you have, if you're a hiring official, you have somebody generally right underneath you who can take that on, take on that task of retraining someone. You will retrain someone if they're right underneath you. But if it's someone down a, a level or two, then you're going to have to ask somebody else to help you. Either way, providing more and more training is not always appropriate. Sometimes you have to offer them resources and let them take those resources in the action on their own. Okay. The next question is, have they done everything they could to help themselves? This is usually a no. This answer is usually no. Why? Because the director of report is indifferent at this point and expects the coddling the leader has provided. Instead of taking action to improve their performance and behavior, they remain apathetic and insist on passing the responsibility to their leadership or the rest of the team. So for many who have waited too long to take action on a, a direct report to poor performance, the extra work ends up being placed on other team members so that the direct report can catch up or they're passing that responsibility on to the supervisor saying they haven't gotten enough support, they're not getting enough resources, they don't know. And so now this supervisor by this time has already done everything they could to the point of doing too much by releasing the burden from the direct report and spreading it to everyone else. And that is the wrong answer. Like by this time, the direct report is pretty ap apathetic and they 
are not assuming responsibility. Okay. This doesn't, this isn't always the case. Sometimes the answer is yes, they're doing everything they could, but you know, it's not enough, but right. Like a lot of times when I have these conversations with leaders, it's no, the direct report hasn't done enough for themselves. Okay. The next question is after support resources and time have been given, are the direct report results enough? Expectations are created from the strategic and tactical plans made for the team and how the direct report in question is contributing to those team goals. Remember, the team goals come from the department goals. The department goals come from the enterprise goals. And there might be a few levels in between, but basically that's how it is. Years or a year ago, your executive leadership sat down and were like, okay, these are our goals, our strategic goals. We're at year three in our plan, and this is what we expect to meet by year three after adjustments. And then they, they sit down and they start to push down that enterprise goal to the appropriate parties. And then everybody takes their chunk, HR, finance, operations, yada, yada, yada. And then that information is pushed down further. So by the time you get to the team, the team is given their specific part of the enterprise goal. Now, if you're at the bottom of the team, you don't see this entire enterprise goal. You don't, you don't see the whole thing. You just see your part. But if you're at the top, you have a better understanding. You have a bird's eye view of how that one team will, uh, does affect the whole enterprise goal. So based on the goal that your team is given, is this direct report contributing or taking away from the goal? After they have been put on some type of um, performance, retraining, what have you program, are they making enough progress that shows a sustained improvement to contribute to the goal? And even if they are showing enough progress, like they have, they, they've improved their productivity, fiscally they're on track, is their morale taking away from the team. Bad morale is is worse than just poor feelings. Bad morale, it, it kills productivity of other people. And you want your people to work at a job that they like. Well, if you have a bad apple in the bunch, that bad apple is going to spoil everybody and everything. So even after the person has improved their productivity, their fiscal responsibility, are they still a Debbie Downer? Is this person still a jacked up Jake? It's something to consider. Got to think about it. If their problem was their attitude and their attitude hasn't improved, is their result good enough? Okay, let's go into the next question. Would it cost you, what would it cost you, the team, and the employee if nothing changes. If this person stayed the same and nothing changed, 
what would it cost you, the team, and the employee? So let me break it down this way. You as a leader, the perception that a leader cannot make complex decisions based on the needs of the overall goals and health of the team will erode your reputation and eventually your potential advancement. So as your leaders are looking at you, they're assessing silently if you're able to make hard decisions to execute the mission. And they are also assessing, they are also assessing if you are able to allocate your time appropriately. Are you spending too much time t- trying to rehabilitate somebody when there's somebody over here who's thriving, who needs your attention? That is huge, especially as you move up and you're trying to get closer to the executive ranks. Managing your time and your energy is important. You have to demonstrate that you're able to appropriately manage your time and your energy so that those who need you get it and those who need to improve on themselves get the basics. It sounds crazy because you would think, okay, this person over here, they're injured. I'm going to spend a whole lot of time building them up. And the people over there who are doing good, I'm just going to leave them alone because they're already doing good. No, you have to swap it. So if somebody is doing great, you want them to continue to do great. So you're going to give them more of your time. And the people who aren't doing so good, then you're going to give them guidance. You're not going to ignore them, but you're going to give them guidance, give them resources, and let them take action. If you cannot demonstrate that you can do that, it's going to erode your reputation as a leader, period. Let's talk about the team. There is a possibility that if this person is not doing well, either their performance is bad, their, their behavior is bad, they're spending too much money, it is affecting the rest of the team. If their productivity is bad, then that means the rest of the team is picking up the slack, regardless if they want to or not. They're doing the extra work so this person can catch up, which is very quickly can turn into other people on the team feeling like, okay, I'm, I'm working hard and now you're going to work me harder. And this other person gets to mess up and slack off, which is going to kill the morale, which is going to cost the organization more money, essentially, right? If their productivity is good, but they're spending too much money, well, that means if they're spending too much money, there's not enough money for other people to, to spend on whatever is needed. Okay. Then if it's their morale, okay, this person has a bad attitude and these other people are trying to maintain their positive attitude, but it's hard because you have somebody over here just bad mouthing and trashing everybody. What is it costing the team? People do not live in silos. So even if they're into individual contributors, even if they're remote, people don't live in silos. So if you're on a team, guess what? It's affecting other people around you. If you're not on the team, you are still contributing to the bigger picture. So what is the effect? And then last, how is this affecting the direct report who's being assessed for termination, demotion, or reassignment? Are they even happy? Nobody is happy having to do something that they can't do well. Nobody. So the 
the choice, the better choice for that person might be to terminate them so they can go find something that they love. It might be to um, demote them so they can catch up and you know, learn how to do that job better. And then maybe in the future, they can get an advancement again. It might be being redesigned to a whole nother assignment or a department because the department they're in, they're just not happy. The work they're doing, they're not happy. Are they happy? Is this even doing them any good? It can't be. If we're at this point where you're sitting down assessing it, we got down to this question about the cost. They're not happy. Okay. The last thing is the cost worth it. Assessing the cost of keeping underperforming or badly behaved direct reports should give you a clear answer, whether it's time to terminate, demote, or reassign. It makes sense that deciding to terminate, demote, or reassign is not an easy one to make. The mental and financial impact on the direct report and their family could be devastating. The team may have close relationships that could affect the group's morale. No one wants to be the executioner. Nobody. Even if you don't like this person, you're like, well, I don't want to be the one to tell them I don't like them. Or I don't want to be the one to drop the hammer, so to speak. This major decision can also be the nudge the direct report needs to live out their dream, reduce stress, improve broken relationships, and grow as a professional in person. Termination, demoting, and reassigning direct reports doesn't have to be the end of the world. Instead, it could be the beginning of a long era of high morale, team cohesion, and goal achievements. So we're going to go over the questions real quick. Again, first question is, what is the problem? Second question is, have you done everything you need to to support them? Third is, have you shared the resources necessary to help them? Fourth is, have they done everything they could to help themselves? Five, if the answer is no, what could they do for themselves? Six, After support, resources, and time have been given, are the direct reports results enough? Next is, what could it cost you, the team, and the employee if nothing changes? And eight, is the cost worth it? If you can get the answer to all of these questions, now you have the solid basis to make a decision, a clear decision on whether this should happen or not. And naturally, you want to invite your direct supervisor in the decision. You want to explain it to them. But before you go see them, you need to be able to answer these questions so you can clearly and concisely communicate why or why not. Why is termination, demotion, or reassignment in the best interest of the team and the person or why it isn't? Thank you for listening to the Women Veterans Leadership Podcast. Be sure to visit our main website at lastgo.vet, L-A-S-T-C-O dot V-E-T for more information on our services. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn and hashtag Women Veterans.